Hello and welcome to Critical Line Item. My name's Tom Radley. Thank you so much for joining me for this particular podcast. In recent uh, months, there's been a lot of controversy in Australia and overseas uh, in recent years, but in Australia, particularly over the role consulting firms play in providing advice to government and the services they get from government. In particular, um, the case study involving PricewaterhouseCoopers and the, the saga of the uh, leak of confidential information to partners internally that was then used for uh, for marketing the firm's tax services and, and getting about $2.5 million worth of revenue. A parliamentary committee is looking at this, and I'm joined by Senator Barbara Pocock, who is a part of a, a bit of a deep dive, trying to work out where these consulting work firms fit, what the hell they do, and what the parliament might want to do with them uh, in the future. Barbara, thank you for joining me. Thanks, Tom. It's great to be with you. Now, there are a couple of things that I'm, uh, we probably need to do first up. I mean, the committee is looking, and just to define the space briefly, Precisely, what, what's the committee looking at? The committee is really focused on the consulting industry and looking at um, conflicts of interest, uh, the way it's working um, as an industry and trying to uh, excavate more detail about methods and outcomes uh, fr from the industry, the size of the industry um, and key concerns. And it really grew out of a couple of, you know, significant public issues, you've mentioned PwC and their use of uh, confidential tax information to assist their clients avoid multinational tax. There was also the, the case of the robo-debt PowerPoint presentation, a million dollars <throat> paid to a consulting company, PwC, to do that presentation, and uh, just a PowerPoint, which was never, uh, never properly accepted because it didn't give the advice, uh, as we understand it. Uh, that the um, government body wanted to hear. So we're really interested in, you know, how, how do we see value for money uh, for the public sector and how do we ensure, given the international interest in the rapidly expanding consulting industry, how do we ensure that the Australian taxpayer gets um, what they pay for uh, and are they paying for the right things? Um, are consultants playing the role they should be? If you read The Big Con by Mariana Mazzucato, She's making the point that consulting should really be in areas of expertise that are um, outside the existing public sector and they come in sideways to give advice in critical areas. What we've seen in the last 20 years really is a massive increase in the use of consultants in our public sector federally uh, and um, a, a big uh, expansion in their role in government. Uh, while public sector employment itself has sat absolutely flat and we've seen the public sector really uh, run down. So there's a lot of very critical concepts and practices um, and the overall contribution of consulting that our committee is looking at. One of the challenges, obviously, is grappling with the issue of conflicts of interest. What are some of the themes that are coming through at the present time? Well, we've had our first day of hearings a couple of weeks back, and one of the really important points made by academics who presented to us was that conflicts of interest are both, that are really important, are both perceived conflicts of interests, 
or actual conflicts of interest, and both of those are important. The public needs to be confident that what it is looking at and what it is paying for um, is not uh, anything associated with an actual conflict of interest, which we clearly see is the case in the PwC tax scandal. But also, we need to be confident that the perception of conflict of interest is also not there. So we don't want someone, for example, a consulting firm, to be advising on the standard of care for an aged care facility, while at the same time advising those who must meet standards of care. You know, that's a direct walking two sides of the street kind of situation. People, uh, firms may have, you know, um, cardboard walls within their organisation that they believe give them real separation of, you know, standard setting and standard meeting. Um, but I think the, comp the, the community are not quite satisfied that, uh, that the perception um, is, is real and that the actual practice is clean. So that's one of the issues. There are many, many examples of this walking both sides of the street now, uh, internationally and nationally, that make uh, the Senate and our Parliament very interested in how we, we uh, rat out those conflicts of interest, perceived or real, and deal with them. One of the, cha one of the clear challenges that you have in grappling with that is there's nothing like expertise in the sector and that expertise in the sector uh, particularly within a professional firm is obtained by dealing with the sector over a period of time mm. um, well, I'm not wishing to sort of commit you to a view or, or, or a firm view on this but uh, have you got any initial thoughts on how you grapple with sort of minimising the nature of that conflict? Because somewhere along the line, government will need access to that experience. So how do you get that experience and draw it into the uh, government's consulting process um, without... Yeah. Yeah, without that, but you can see what I'm saying. It, 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 yeah. there's a, there's, it's rather edgy territory. Well, it's not edgy if you're ethical. Yeah. yeah. What we need is someone who signs a confidentiality agreement, which in very straightforward terms would be uh, an undertaking not to use any information received in the process of consultation about a very niche and highly complex matter like the way in which very large companies like Google, um, how they actually run their tax affairs and what any specific proposed possibility of change in the treatment of tax might mean for the way they behave. That is uh, a very specialist expertise. And I can well understand why a government department, the Department of Tax, might want to understand how a tweak would play out but if you have signed a confidentiality agreement with, with real, real, um, real clarity about what that means and real consequences, if it is not honoured, um, then, uh, you know, if we don't have that kind of governance uh, and, and expectation of ethical practice, then, then you absolutely cannot consult such people. And that's what we've seen, a serious breach of such an undertaking um, and I think it really raises important questions about 
the nature of confidentiality agreements, the penalties that are in place when they are breached, the consequences for the firm when uh, such a thing occurs, and the consequences for the companies that might rely on such information to minimise their tax, possibly the consequences also for people in the Australian tax office who are in close and um, perhaps a very convivial, friendly relationship where they receive phone calls on a regular basis, perhaps from offices of a consulting firm, take the calls, um, have an informal chat and in the process possibly uh, pass on information that 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 company in its unscrupulous practices relies on. If you read the um, emails that have now become public, heavily redacted, of course, we don't see the names of people with whom this information was shared within PwC. But if you read those emails, there is a very convivial and informal exchange uh, occurring between public servants and the officers of the PwC. That's my reading of them, at least. And I think there are a whole lot of uh, issues and relationships that deserve much closer examination uh, so that we can, as a committee and as a parliament, work out how, the, how such relationships should be regulated so the public can have confidence in them. There's another, there's another issue. You raised this earlier, but it may be worthwhile expanding on it. And that is when expertise leaves the public service, it tends to, whether it's been a, a hollowing out or a, or a series of redundancies, it tends to pop up elsewhere, um, possibly in consulting firms, for example. Mm. Um, how do you grapple with the, firstly, how, how do you grapple with the issue of retooling the public sector mm. and mm. then dealing with the, the issue of when somebody moves from a government department or government body, whatever it happens to be, into a private sector space, mm. um, then is engaged in providing consulting services back. Because there's a couple of there's some mm. interesting issues in terms of cooling cooling off periods and things, aren't there? Mm. Very interesting issues, and that's an important question. The revolving door, the revolving door that is there for ex-politicians, but is also there for public servants who have very uh, significant expertise or information that consulting companies want. So that's certainly an issue uh, which which our committee uh, needs to examine and and to consider uh, to make it fit for purpose and to enable um, the public sector to function well and that for the um, for information and relationships not to be exploited in a way which um, you know cost the taxpayer a great deal of money potentially, or um, you know, we, we fails to rebuild and, and construct proper expertise within the public sector. I think there is another, a higher level concern that really uh, I've been thinking a lot about, um, and that is the relationship between political donations and um, uh, people receiving very large government contracts as consultants or general contractors. And that's an issue which I think really bears uh, quite a lot of examination as well. Um, there would be very many Australians who would be concerned about the fact that very large amounts of money, donations are made to the major parties uh, by, by companies that uh, receive very large amounts of contracting and consulting funds. 
And that is something which we really need to be looking at. And I think you make the point in your recent contribution um, about the need to separate. You're either a contractor or you're a political donor, but can you be both without perceived or actual conflicts of interest? That's a really important question. How do you resolve it though? Well, you could separate the two things where um, you, you know you you cannot be in receipt of government contracts and still and make very large contributions. And it's certainly Greens policy uh, that that should not be possible. You know that is definitely uh, creating, if not a whiff of uh, corruption, certainly the possibility for it. And I, I think that is a, a big challenge for us. I mean, we're talking about. If you look at PwC, for example, I'm just looking at the table that the Parliamentary Libraries recently prepared for us. Um, overall expenditure on consultants in 2021-22 is, is $900 million. That is a huge amount of money, which very large international companies have access to. And if we look at PwC itself specifically in 21-22, almost $600 million in active contracts across the APS. I mean, these are really high stakes um, and we need to be confident that people are not exercising political influence through their donations, which shape the way in which these contracts are awarded. And I come from a world, Tom, where I was a researcher in a university environment for 30 years and I know how hard it was to win a, a grant for research purposes. And there'd be plenty of people in the community sector who've gone for grants of 10, 20, 50, $100,000. And they are so closely scrutinized, the criteria they have to face for their contracts are incredibly uh, detailed. And the follow-up and evaluation of outcomes and the management of the money is zealously managed. We are looking at an industry that is of an order of magnitude so far from the world of the average university researcher or community organisation. The numbers are huge, the stakes are high, and there should be much more assertive management and governance of these contracting processes. They are in a different universe, especially when we look at a very big department like Defence, and they need much more scrupulous control. What surprised you about what you've seen so far? I am shocked every day as someone who ran a research centre um, about the size of the spend uh, in some areas of our public sector, the uh, low level of accountability, um, the uh, when I look at Austender outcomes, the number of variations and the size of variations to large um, consultancy spends. And you know, I, I, this is not my world, but I look at it and I think I want my friends who are nurses or retail workers or whatever, who are earning $80,000 a year and paying 20% of every dollar they earn in tax, tax that's taken out before they get their paycheck, paycheck. That is a different world to the world of very big consulting companies uh, who are in receipt of astronomical sized projects. Um, and many of them may be doing excellent value for money. We don't know. I don't think the governance is adequate for the size of the consulting industry as it has emerged in Australia in the last 20 years. And I think that's an issue that we need more reassurance around. And that's talking about the general governance of contracting and consulting. The PwC case is right out in a paddock of its own. You know, it's a straightforward um, ethical failure 
in a very significantly sized firm that is continuing, from what we can see from the parliamentary library data, to receive contracts um, when it ha has demonstrated a culture which, you know, is very far from acceptable across the political spectrum. The Greens, the Labor Party, the, 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 the Coalition are all in, you know, aggressive agreement that this is not appropriate behaviour. And yet um, we have not seen measures taken um, despite the fact that we are now, you know, a good, you know, five months past when that initial breach of confidentiality to advantage big firms and to earn 2.5 million of, of, of fees uh, was released. So, you know, we need much more uh, quick action by Labor right now on the PwC matter. Now, there is something else in that one, and I'm very conscious of time, but there's something else in that one that, uh, that needs highlighting um, and possibly reflection, and that is um, we're talking about things that were being looked at in 2014 to 2016. Um, yes. An outcome from the TPB was... An outcome at the TPB was uh, reached in late 2022, announcement in January 2023. Does it concern you that it's taken that long for the regulatory um, hogs and wheels to, to move on the issue? Absolutely. I mean, that is the failure of governance and action. And, you know, going right back to your early question about how can we draw on expertise, unique expertise within a large company, um, which we sometimes need to do and be confident that it won't be misused. Well, rapid, rapid response and uh, an appropriate level of response to misdemeanour is part of the way you get good governance. And at the moment, those long delays in response uh, really are, are a concern. And I, I mean, I could, in my intray, in my, in my inbox, I'm hearing a lot from consultants who are really unhappy. You know, there are very good people working in every company, you know, even where things go off the rails. And they um, are now painted potentially uh, with a brush which says, you know, really raises basic questions about their ethics. And there, there are people who do not behave like this in these companies. So it is really important that bad apples as well as bad systemic culture is called out with appropriate um, penalties. You've made a few comments recently on, on PwC's um, internal review. What... And, and, Leaving its internal review aside for the moment, what sort of review would you like to see more broadly of, um, the, the, aside from your inquiry, of the, uh, of the consulting space? Well, I think um, uh, in general, when something, when someone behaves in uh, the way that we understand things have unfolded in PwC, then there needs to be an inquiry that the public can have confidence in. You know, if a, if a public servant misuses information uh, and commits some form of insider trading, they face criminal prosecution. You know, why is there a different r rule for um, uh, the case that we see in PwC than there is for the average a public servant in the Australian Bureau of Statistics, for example. Um, you know, we need a, a process of inquiry 
that the, the average taxpayer can have confidence in, and that is not forming your own internal jury uh, chaired by, um, you know, a, a, someone who's had a long-term association potentially with your company to run the inquiry. That, that is not the way this should be run. The public needs to have confidence. So I, uh, in, in cases of straightforward corruption, the National Anti-Corruption Commission is the appropriate spot. There is also a role for the uh, federal police where a criminal act has been performed. There are a number of things that the government could be doing right now which it's not doing, um, including uh, banning future contracts um, and putting the, them um, in the freezer until uh, a proper national inquiry with, which has the kind of independence that Australian taxpayers expect and can have confidence in and has, has fully uh, excavated these events. I've been talking to Senator Barbara Procock, who's been in, uh, from the Australian Greens, has been involved in a, an inquiry looking at the consulting sector and how it intermingles and exchange, exchanges with, with government. Uh, thanks so much for your time. Thanks so much, Tom, and thanks so much for your work. Thank you.